This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome to the My Old Man Said Podcast. It's something for the Friday time. We can't even do a something for the weekend because the Leeds game is a Friday night. Joining me to discuss that and uh, Villa's new signing, Mr. Chris Burge. Well, I'm not the new signing, by the way. You are not the Chris new Bird's signing, <laughs> indeed. But, but you <laughs> will be discussing him. Yeah, not too bad. This is a bit of a more of a Frankenstein show. We're not going to do the usual Villa Minute or uh, the usual format because... Uh, Basically, we've got to get it out to the, the hardcore listeners who will uh, find time in their busy schedules to listen to the show before Friday night because uh, it's a small window. It's not like it's out for a couple of days. Because of this Friday night, it's uh, it's one of these where you think, well, is it worth putting another show out? Let's just wait until after it. But no, we uh, we owe it to you. And after the Stevenage defeat, not a watch company will touch us with a barge pole, so there was no need for a villain Exactly. In it. Let's start off with uh, the new signing through the door indications are there's potentially going to be three new bodies in i'm kind of interested to how many bodies they'll carry out of uh body more heath <laughs> or just, uh, kick, or just <laughs> kick courtney horse is back in he is not the new signing after amassing an immense three games for watford he found himself injured again and he's i think he's about six weeks away from rehabilitation so watford have said yeah cheers uh, can we terminate please but now he's back in time. Why did we need to sign another left back? Surely, <laughs> surely Courtney Horse can do a job at left back. <laughs> a marauding fullback with a great delivery, which is what he's known for. Uh, anyway, uh, Alex uh, Moreno is in from Real Betis for around twelve point four million. I would say, roughly translated from the euros value. Yep, probably Chris Budd's favourite player from the last three three or so seasons. As an avid watcher of uh, you know <laughs> Spanish football in person, I might add. Um, <laughs> no, I've I've seen little bits of him, but not not a huge amount. I'm jesting. Uh, it's the same with any new signing. There's a lot of people who will profess him to be the second coming and put pictures of him with the Pope holding him up and all this kind of stuff. And we all said that about Nicholas Alanius. That went well, didn't it? This is all the hype merchants uh, just wanting likes uh, on social media and uh, follows. And to be in the know. I mean, also, obviously, we know the curse of the YouTube highlights compilation. I can look an amazing player with a few highlights. But when you just look at the more measured heads, like say the Spanish 
football journalists who have watched him occasionally will have a, a feel for him pretty much across the board he's a good player Enrique uh, Jose Enrique from ex Liverpool Newcastle uh, he said he's a very good left back very fast really good going forward defensively he will have to improve and more so for the Premier League but a very good player and I think the main reason he's in is I mean apart from his his pace is that dynamic uh, ball carrying quality he brings in and when he's attacking uh, let's say the uh, the opposition's final third he's more playing inside and he's, he's not just trying to beat the man well he, he actually he can he can beat the man more than let's say Lucas Dean but he's not trying to beat the man to get down the byline to whip him across he's trying to be a bit more dynamic coming inside and linking up and he wants to get involved essentially he's a much yeah. better ball player and he's, I think he's just a more dynamic option to Dinu which makes me think that maybe you know we saw it on the other side against Wolves the other week didn't we with Cash and Young I wonder if he might go with a Dinia Moreno sort of you know two you know, dual left back well, Emery's got a, there's a track record for him playing double fullbacks uh, for Villarreal, especially like in the Champions League against, uh, let's say, to nullify tougher opposition. I mean, at this moment, I wouldn't say we have the personnel to play the double fullback on both sides comfortably, no. but because I don't think Cash and Young, I think Cash and then Young in front of him, but you're talking about a 37-year-old uh, winger. There's a reason why he uh, went back to fullback, mm-hmm. obviously, as you uh, get older. So I think if you've got Dean and Moreno, you can pull it off on the left-hand side pretty well. So I think it gives you that tactical flexibility if you are playing uh, a team that has a distinct right-wing threat. Yeah, from the little bits I've seen, he kind of reminds me more of uh, a Robertson at Liverpool kind of player. He can drive you up the field, he'll get you, but he'll get actually get involved rather than just sort of trying to be a, an out ball. He can actually have, you know, combinations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of a diminutive figure. He's, he's five for eight, which you know, we've you know we've obviously had it. Alan right there, it doesn't matter. But the the only problem is he, no doubt, Villa will have him marking Harland on corners uh, <laughs> when we go to the Etihad. But uh, that's Villa. Problem is though, this is a player that pretty much only came to Villa because he said, right, I want to come to an English Premier League club because I want to. And he and he looked at the fixture list and he said, I want to because I want to test myself on a wet, windy Wednesday night in Stoke uh, and I don't think his agent got the memo of uh, what happened uh, <laughs> last weekend but uh, best not to mention that to him as long as he's you know, half decent at defending short corners though yes uh, that's probably why they immediately brought a left back in like literally days after that uh, second Stevenage goal I mean that Stevenage game is still I'm mad there's no way I mean it's on the I'm it's on the shoulders of everybody there's, there's no uh, passing of the ball no gets away not even that. Emery it's like uh, it, it, it stinks as I said in a, the BBC column uh, I wrote the weekly thing that I do for BBC Sport it's like the owners would have looked at that and that would have unnerved the owners because they're thinking what are we spending our money on there was 72 million worth in that front three against uh, Stevenage he barely had a shot at goal between them. Behind the scenes, I think there were some harsh words there. Anyway, we wish him well, and I think I like the look of him, is my summation. But there's that question, uh, obviously you've just spent £25 million, like a year ago on a left-back, which was an upgrade on uh, Matt Target. No problems with that, but there should be an overall arc of... If you have a football director or a sporting director, whatever you want to call Johan Lang, there should be an overriding arc of managing what you're coming in and making sure you're not wasting money. 
And there's a question mark. Obviously, uh, Moreno is 30 in, in a matter of months, like three months' time. So in an ideal world, you'd want your number one left back, if he's 29, as he's, both of these guys are, your other one, if he is currently second fiddle or, uh, you know, they're, basically they're obviously head-to-head challenging each other for that first team place. Ideally, you'd want the other one to be younger like you know by two or three years so you have that natural transition of uh when the other one's in decline or or, or moves on but here it's a straight shootout really isn't it yeah you would you would think so yeah in terms of in terms of squad planning it's not the greatest well there's no sense of like legacy you know or succession planning you're thinking they're gonna have to go head to head and dean is only what you know a year into his contract you're going to want to get two, three yeah. years out of both of them. One of them's not going to be around here in maybe a year. So year's unless time, Emery's perhaps. really going for that, playing him in front of Dean. But you know, you, you're thinking, well, the left hand side's probably our strongest side in terms of potential players that can play left side of midfield. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're talking about McGinn, Ramsey, and you know, Watkins has been going out there as well. It's an interesting one to see how it develops. But there are question marks over you know the the fact that you replace Grealish in the aggregate with three players and then two managers successive managers don't start those three players and mm. you've spent a good 25 to 30 million on each of them this alarm bells for me and the next meeting with Perslow I'm definitely asking him what is the uh, the mantra of the club now in terms of uh, acquisitions and is there a uh, overriding direction regardless and, and plan regardless of whoever the manager is because it doesn't look like it because Gerard comes in first thing that happens is he gets Coutinho which compromises that three in the aggregate straight away he can't develop when dear uh, and he gets Lucas Dean in for 25 million fair enough upgrade but then suddenly the next manager that comes in wants another left back I think the, the Dinia thing was a bit of an opportunism thing wasn't it as well he was a new manager he wanted to flex his muscle Dinia became available mainly because of the management situation up there I don't necessarily think yeah. we had a very small window he became available and we went, oh, if you're right, getting rid of target for 15 then it's you could say financially it's not so bad no because Dean was you know if you boil it down, it's ten million, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, unfortunately, all this money we're spending—it's not actually getting us anywhere in the league table. But so that's an or oh, the FA Cups, but that's another story. <laughs> I think next summer, well, this you know after the end of this season, we'll start to see what the plan is or how it all materializes. But uh, I think Moreno is is like a smart signing. But it raises a lot of questions in terms of the overall picture because you know, let's face it, most managers are here for like two seasons. And is Emery just going, right, I need to act now. And I think there's a lot of pressure on Villa to act now and have results now. It's all right saying, oh, yeah, you know, uh, give him four transfer windows, whatever. Villa need to see results now. So let's get into Leeds. First off the bat, any news uh, in terms of injuries and fitness? So McGinn is still out, obviously, after the the Tottenham hamstring injury. Um, They haven't even given a time frame on that one, so they haven't said and Matty Cash is a doubt. Obviously, Diego Carlos is improving, still likely to be a month or two. Going back to November, when we spoke to Perslow, he was saying end of January, February yeah. would be uh, the likely, so I'm thinking February, from how it seems to be uh, panning out. Yeah. And of course, on top of the injuries, Dendonka is also suspended because of his red card on Sunday. Jed Steer's coming back, though. He's apparently he's, uh, back in training in one Who? or two weeks. Yeah, that's what I thought. He's he's been out for ages, hasn't he? Well, he went. He obviously went off to Luton, didn't he? And then got his Achilles injury. Considering how, how Mister Olsen's been playing, uh, having Jed Steer back as number two, get him in, get him in, lad. <laughs> Double his wages, get him in. 
<laughs> well, to be fair to him, you know, he, he didn't get much of a chance, did he? When we got promoted, he, he got injured. Then he got injured again uh, when he was away on yeah. loan. He's been so unfortunate with injuries, but he's our longest-serving player on and off. And yeah, um, and he's got a bit injured, of credit though, in the bank. He's pointless, isn't he? It is, but he yeah, got a little bit of credit in the bank um, from the championship and getting us promoted and all that. So if it's the choice of Olsen or Steer on the bench, sorry, Sweden's number one goalkeeper of the year and all that picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com uh leads now interesting thing about leads and of course, uh, the timings always work out this way. Leeds have been dog away from home. They've won one out of their last eight games away from home. But look a little closer. Last three away games, they've managed to beat Liverpool and in their last outing have a goalless draw at St. James's. Uh, so these are two of the more, let's say, formidable opponents and they've actually got points away from home against them. Uh, so it seems that uh, Jesse Marsh, I think he's, he's had injury problems as well, yeah. but he seems uh, to have galvanised them. I mean, they came back against uh, Cardiff in the FA Cup as well, something that uh, Villa yeah, failed to do. Down, they came yeah. back right at the death. Considering the the kind of mental blow of what happened against Stevenage, it's not exactly the opponent I would cherry pick to play, put it that way. Not when you've come off two games where you think they were lacking a bit of zip or tempo, energy, whatever you want to call it, and Leeds are one team that will come and bring that to a game. Recent uh, fixtures, uh, especially in the Premier League, I mean, obviously the f- that first game we played them in the Premier League when they absolutely ransacked us and beat us 3-0 at Villa Park. Since then, we've gone four unbeaten against them with two wins. I mean, the, the 3 all game last year was a great game, wasn't it? We should have won it, but especially yeah. in the first half, it was a great game of football. We probably played some of the best football we ever played under Gerard in that match. That's when Coutinho well. was kind oh, of flickering yeah. away. Yeah, and then obviously the, the away game against them was a, a very comfortable 3-0 win in the end when they were absolute trash, weren't they, Leeds, that night? One of the games, I think, that cost Gerard his job when we played Forest in Leeds both teams were struggling and uh, we drew both of those as an awful game of football that Ellen Road game wasn't it especially against 10 yeah that's when we knew this wasn't working out and because I think on paper we should have been beating those two teams who were who were in poor form at that time and that's kind of when you knew the the job was up because Gerard needed points on the board at that time and we were just all over Leeds in the second half and just couldn't put the ball in the net yeah it was one of those ones where you really start asking asking questions Let's go to the threat room here. I mean, they, they set up in a similar formation, uh, shall we say, as we used to, with the, the two yeah. deep sitters, yeah. three across the middle, and then uh, Rodrigo. As a lone striker. Who, who is a converted midfielder, isn't he? Uh, yeah. To all extents and purposes. And he's you know he's in double figures for the season. <coughs> Watkins. <coughs> in a struggling league team, he still managed to get uh, into double figures. So you've got to keep an eye on him. Not even halfway through the season, he's on ten goals. So he's he's you know he's doing Especially pretty well. Back to that, in a, you know, in a poor side. But there's something uh, steely about this team. I think Leeds now. I mean, there always there always has been, hasn't there? But if you can go to, away to Newcastle, I mean, they rode their luck a little bit. You have to, aren't you? So is this a, a, a normal case of matching Leeds in midfield? Is it always going to be one in the midfield? I think so. Um, I'd also say potentially that it'll be who is the as always is, is you know who's going to be the most potent when they actually get the ball in the final third, which the last couple of games Villa haven't really been. Bailey, after that Wolves game, we said, well, 
it's probably best to play him against Stevenage because he's, you know there's a redemption story arc there for him, and he's actually come away from Stevenage probably even worse in terms of uh, mentally. And he's somebody you're looking at uh, against Leeds to be on the ball, but will he even start? Well, that's the thing. He m- might he be a better sort of energetic option off the bench potentially, but then I, d- I don't know how you set up. Do you would you go with the you know especially with Matty Cash out? Who, who would you play out on the on the wing? You're probably going to have to play him. You know, you've obviously lost Augustinson as well, McGinn. Because it's that right hand side that uh, I am glad we got Ramsey back though. To be honest. Yeah, no, uh, for this game. But I'm just thinking about the the weakness that people do attack us down our right hand side. Mm-hmm. Because that duo, as as Phil said in the previous podcast, of that Bailey being in front of whether it's Cash or Young, I know who, which side I'm attacking Villa down if if I'm playing them, and many mm-hmm. teams have have done that, and that's where we normally get cut out. If you know under Gerard when we were getting caught out, it was normally a ball down that uh, the left, you know, the left hand side of the opposition or right hand side. See, my argument would be play Watkins out there on the wing, play playings down the middle. Instead of Bailey, for example, go, you know, when they, on paper, it looks 4 4 2 because that's how it presses and then it reverts. Would he, would he go for Ings and Watkins in that? And then obviously, when it reverts to a uh, 3 1, then Watkins becomes the one of the wide, wide midfielders, so to speak. Possibly. Possibly. You could, you could make an argument for playing sort of Bailey out on the left, Watkins out on the right, Ings down the middle. Ramsey. Dropping back into yeah, midfield. Yeah, but in that three, I'm, I'm talking about if you got, say, you got Ings at the top of the tree. You could play Ramsey on the left of it, Watkins on the right, and put Bailey on the bench. Yeah, and then you've got Buendia in the middle. Yeah, although I, th- I think at this point, I think Ramsey with you know Kamara and Louise. Depends if you, depends what formation you're playing. If you're going to play the two sitters, you're going to play three off a lone striker. I'd put Ramsey in that forward three off a lone striker. I'd play Danny Ings down the middle, Watkins, Ramsey, and then probably Buendia yeah. off Ings. But I think he wants, you know, he wants Bailey. Admittedly, you know, for all the talk of Bailey's pace, I think Watkins is as mobile and far more likely to just get his head down against the fullback, get to the ball and, and deliver something. Because Bailey is so predictable that if you, you know, if your tactical plan is set up correctly, he's not a difficult player to defend against. You just show him down the line and go, go on, then I dare you. Jack Harrison's been doing all right for Leeds as well. I mean, that's somebody that, you know, mm-hmm. Kamara and Louise uh, have basically got to win the battle with. I, I trust Kamara in his role. I don't, I don't think there's a problem there whatsoever. Yeah, like we saw at Tottenham, I think if he picks the right time, letting someone like Louise get involved a little bit more is a good thing because you've got a good, you know, got a good ball playing midfielder around the penalty area. It gives you a, it gives someone like a Buendia a, a foil, an Ings who likes playing off those little short interplays and stuff around the, you know, the edge of the uh, edge of the penalty area. But yeah, going back to Leeds's defence, I think that's what's Cooper's return because he he hasn't played that much uh, this season actually. Uh, he's played just over half the games, but since he's been back, that seems to have coincided with Leeds being a bit more tougher to uh, beat and. And he was playing, you know, when they got their results at Newcastle and Liverpool. But uh, in terms of threats, it's just the midfield battle that needs to be won here. And uh, obviously, uh, Rodrigo is uh, having a good season despite the team that he's in at the moment. (laughs) What's Jesse been chatting? I think he's bemoaning his injuries and he's he's essentially saying if if he's got a fully fit team, then... uh, they're very competitive against anybody. Well, everyone's been there. Everyone gets injuries through the season. I know it's, you know, it's all managers moan about that during the season, don't they? Especially when you think Leeds haven't exactly had fixture pile up. Like other you know, some of these bigger teams you get. I kind of get the feeling with them there, they've got a half decent starting lineup and not very much in reserve. And the amount of times we've gone to to Leeds games, you see the subs they're bringing on, and you go, who the fuck is this guy? Leeds are very much 
earmarked like this second half after the World Cup as as basically a restart. And I think that's mm-hmm. psychologically how they've approached it. And I think they've had a good period so far. I mean, here we are after beating uh, Spurs thinking, well, right, we've got three yeah. home games I think we said this on the podcast. Yeah. Win, win all three of them, and uh, you're in the next round of the cup, and uh, you're suddenly in the top half of the league. And now you're under pressure to win this one. Anyway, let's let's round this off with a mum's pull panel result. I'm going to go Leeds away win. <laughs> you can Sorry, make, you can make all the arguments for it, can't you? Yeah, I, and that's just on the back of the of attitude showed on that Stevenage game. Yeah, I mean that, that that is my evidence. It's pretty convincing evidence. I'm, ho- I'm hoping for a Villa uh, response. If you can't get a response in this one after the, the, the previous week, then fuck me, you've got problems. I'm going to reluctantly say home win. Do I believe it? Mm. <laughs> My Paul's panel result is more a protest vote than uh, anything. But also I'm looking at what Leeds have done against Liverpool and Newcastle recently away. And, you know, these are two uh, of the more difficult away fixtures for any team. Seems to suggest they're pretty galvanised and they'll be looking at Villa for the win without a shadow of a doubt. They'll see what Wolves did. They'll be looking at that game and then they'll take heart from the Stevenage. Yeah, they'll think they can frustrate us. A bit like they did in the Ellen Road game earlier in the year. We can can sit back and if if we keep 11 players on the pitch, we can actually, uh, we can cause a bit of problems. And Villa's and, and, and of course, the Villa crowds. Yeah, I was just I was just going to get onto that. The frustrations in the in the stand at Villa Park are pretty evident at the moment. It's not been a, a great return after the World Cup, certainly in, in their home form. And um, when you factor in the Villarreal friendly as well, we've been gifting teams goals and not getting the results. So it's, it is a big one for Villa. They, you need to be winning this one. You need to just kind of calm everyone down a little bit. Because you've got that Friday night feeling where there's a few extra beers, it's the weekend, so if things do go wrong early and Leeds, let's say Leeds get the first goal, that extra boisterousness... Conversely, if I think if you're to start playing well, you want to hear the crowd getting right on top of the game and really getting behind the team and on top of Leeds, because yeah. you know, Stevenage, everyone was just so apathetic and was just kind of waiting for full time and suddenly walked out the ground and we'd lost, but the Wolves game, it was, I thought it was a pretty good atmosphere in patches but only when Villa had a, had a bit uh, of a Emery's go Claret and Blue Army ages, uh, which, didn't in that one. yeah went for about 15 minutes which was pretty good Or t- I mean in reality probably 10 minutes but uh, but that was encouraging to see yeah yeah. it's no, it's nowhere near the Gerrard level does it but people are looking and they're sort of asking a few questions very much more so with the players so they're not looking at going what's the plan you kind of think what are the players doing this is, this is application this is so you're looking for the big ones for me are players like Ramsey guys who can actually force the agenda get them on the ball make things happen force no, force the agenda against Leeds make them defend and then I think the fans were like right there's some intent here the thing with the Stevenage game and the long periods of the Wolves game was where's it, what, what's the intent here we should be all over these and we just weren't there's a debate going about the atmosphere of Villa Park but I'm sorry but it's been like this forever there's been the odd game like when we came back from yep. the Premier League against Everton I think it was a Friday night that was rocking but you know we are in the same conversations in the 2013 14 15 16 seasons it wasn't exactly a fortress when we had O'Neill Exactly. Our, our away form was was the impressive thing about O'Neill. Anyway, I think the fans and the players need to go blood and thunder because this leads is it's a proper test that's coming our way. And uh, the hardest of the three games we've played at Villa Park in this uh, period of 10 or so days. So we need to meet fire with fire and need the three points here. Just win. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.